Hello and welcome. This is the Yoga Revolution podcast. My name is Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him. This podcast is an exploration of how we can live yoga right now and how we can apply the yoga teachings in our lives. We'll discuss the intersection of yoga and social justice, as well as how to build a practice that supports our activism. All my guests are contributors to my new book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Yoga Revolution podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend and special guest, Dejour Jones, here today with us. Hi, Dejour. Hello, Jeevana. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm up early with my uh, pet children, my pet cats, and they've been uh, running around making a lot of noise. And so I'm awake on a, a very early on a Saturday morning. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for doing this with me. And I, I wanted to actually formally introduce you first before we get started. And um, okay, Dijor has been a yoga devotee since 2001. She attended Loyola Marymount University's yoga therapy program. She teaches a therapeutic style of yoga suitable for most students, along with having taught countless mainstream classes. DeJour offers programs and classes to incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people, unhoused populations, mentally challenged seniors, foster youth, those in recovery, human tra trafficking victims slash survivors, and staff that serve all those groups. Um, DeJour is a contributor to the Yoga Service Council's best practices for yoga in the criminal justice system, She's an accessible yoga ambassador, yay, and featured model in my book, Accessible Yoga, Poses and Practice for Everybody. So I'll say that again, you're, it's all you, that book. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also a model for Yoga After 50 for Dummies by Dr. Larry Payne. And in, you're in Melanie Klein's Embodied Resilience Through Yoga, 30 Mindful Essays, right? And yes. you're Moonlights as a Flight Attendant. And I'll put your website in the show notes. Did I miss anything there? You got a lot going on. Uh, no, that's plenty. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to first, before we actually begin, to just give um, honor to the land that I'm on, to the ancestors that cared for the land that I'm on. I'm in Los Angeles. The land that I am occupying is the Tongva and Gabrielino Nations land. It was stolen from them by colonizers and renamed Los Angeles. I just mm -hmm. want to give honor to them, give space to them, and, uh, and their an ancestors past and current. They're not all gone, but I just want to give a moment just to um, honor the land that I'm on, and I encourage all of you out there in listening land to do a do some a little easy research, just Google search land uh, acknowledgments and find out whose land you're occupying and give honor to those people. This land was theirs before we showed up here, before the colonizers came. So we always want to keep in mind, no matter what we're doing, that we honor the land that those people, that those nations, that those groups um, took very good care of without any help from any outsiders. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. And I can say I'm on Chumash land here, which is now called Santa Barbara, California. So thanks for that. Um, I was wondering if you could, what I've been doing in these podcasts is asking the contributor to read their contribution, what you wrote that's in the book. You're, you're, you're actually the very beginning of the second section of the book, which is about service and about 
the outer revolution of yoga. So the first section of the book is about inner practice, yoga philosophy. And the second section is really about how you take these practices out into the world. Um, and you talk about it so beautifully. C could you read that? Yes, I can. I chose to be of service as a volunteer yoga teacher to bring yoga therapy to incarcerated and, inform and former, formerly incarcerated people around Los Angeles County. Those forgotten communities really thrived from their accessible yoga programs. For many of them, prison or jail was a gateway to the first hearing of the practice of yoga. Many of them go on to have a home practice and seek out community classes upon release once they get on their feet. In my classes, all bodies are welcome. I ask people to bring their cellmates and friends and even those that did not quote, feel like doing yoga. They were invited to rest during the entire class. I, it brought me so much joy when students shared that something that was physically bothering them when they entered the class felt a bit better and that they walked out with yoga tools to treat the issue in the future. Hmm. I love that, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was wondering, um, are you back to teaching in person? Um, I'm back to teaching um, in the federal prison in person and in um, the uh, residential home for the mentally challenged seniors. Um, the other locations um, have not had us had us back yet. Um, you know, those types of places are still going going on with um, breakouts of COVID as you can imagine why the tight living quarters, et cetera, and just not ever any good healthcare in those kind of places because they're the forgotten people. Mm. Um, so yes, I'm in, back in two places for uh, live or in-person teaching. And how is it? Has it changed you know, since COVID? Um... Yeah, so um, in the federal prison, it's in downtown LA called the Metropolitan Detention Center, Los Angeles. Um, they are to wear masks when visitors are there. And I don't mean visitors, their family. I mean, visitors like me, volunteers, or the different groups that they participate in, like AA and NA, they have to wear masks. Um, they are, because they are considered um, potting when they're with each other, they don't have to wear masks because they live together. Um, in the senior home, um, what has changed is we used to do yoga in a in a room that has been converted into a, a bedroom now. And so, but there there's a there was there is an interior garden uh, or interior patio that I never knew was there. I've been at this place about four years, and so they've moved that class out into this patio. There we do there we only do chair yoga because of medications and balance challenges. We only do chair yoga. And so they have the chair spaced out and the people there, you know, they wander in and out. So it's a very fluid class and anything is acceptable. Um, you know, they sometimes come and sit down in front of me and, and fall asleep because they're medicated. But uh, they are, I asked if they can wear, I asked the, um, the escorts or the attendants that assist me there, can they please uh, make sure that those, um, they're masked because they are not typically masked in their hallways again, because they are potting together. So um, I've asked because I'm coming from the outside, you know, for their safety as well, because I am a flight attendant too. So I'm out there in the world as well. But that, that the students, when they come in and sit down in front of me, I ask the um, first to please make sure they have a mask. Yeah. And 
so can you describe your classes more? Like, I, can you describe what you're teaching? Is it um, chair yoga that you said in this, that one setting? Is that what you're doing everywhere? Or is it a combination, chair and mat? Um, so in the federal prison, we do regular mat yoga. They do have chairs there, but they are stuck down to the floor. So we can't move mm -hmm. them and put them, assemble them into a, mm -hmm. a semicircle or circle to do chair yoga. And I would love to show them that because as you can imagine, they sit all the time. They just sit. They don't have an outdoor uh, um, grounds to walk on in this particular facility. There is a... Um, called a recreation deck or the rec deck but mm. there's you know it's just a, a place where there's air from outside outside and they play basketball there it's still not really outside mm. and so um, I would love to show them tools to do you know chair yoga because they are getting uh, most of their day they are sitting but I don't have access to chairs in there and I guess partly why they're glued down to the floors for you know the Sometimes the thinking is always violence, but maybe that they would throw them at the guards or something. I don't know. But anyway, do you have, um, yoga, so we, do you have yoga mats? Do you have other they, props? They have yoga mats. Yes. They nope. We don't have. We I've, we've had props in different um, prisons we've been in, and they kind of come and go. And some of them we bring in, and then we have to take them out when the program is over. This particular place never had props. And so we just work on the mats and we do standing and we do some wall, depending on the wall that's in front of us. Uh, some of the walls don't have like a clear um, access to the, like a, a long wall. So we just make do, we just make do. But lots of standing and lots of mat work. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, pardon? Yeah, I was wondering if you, if you focus on asana mostly, do you, other, do, you do any... Um other practices with them like breathing or meditation or is that too hard? is it too challenging we do um, a little mindfulness in the beginning when i do the, a grounding it's kind of in my mind a little combo of mindfulness and grounding cuz i am mm -hmm. you know asking them to think and feel through the five senses etc and then checking on their breath so there is there is in the beginning when i do the grounding it is a very mindful time and um, i think it's really special for them because there is this place doesn't have a lot of racket like the county jails, but if they need, you know, I would think they'd like to have tools to kind of tune out some of the unnecessary uh, sounds that they have to put up in their daily living. Um, I do talk about the breath. I, we do breath work and I talk about how the breath can help them to resettle their nervous system. You know, obviously there's a lot of things in there that they cannot control. And sometimes they might feel like they're at the end of just like, I am so done with my life right now. But just mm. thinking about using the breath to just settle that feeling and just know how to respond to certain feelings that come up using the breath because we know the thing won't go away. Whatever's annoying us is not going to go away. Uh, it might go away, but typically yeah. it's sometimes a recurring thought and why am I here or how did, you know, how did my life turn, whatever it is, whatever it could be, um, but how to, especially when things pop up, how to respond to those things in a thoughtful way and not just lash out or react in a way that could cause more, cause harm to someone else, cause, cause harm to their own personal file, you know, because their behaviors obviously are documented if they're not doing the things they should do. And mm -hmm. so we want, you know, I would think they want to keep their file as clean as possible. Some of them are pre-trial. 
So they really behave well because they don't want any additional nonsense on their file when they go see, when they go into court and see the, you know, the court phase of their, their situation. Um, some of them, a small percent of them are called cadres. I didn't know, I knew what this word meant, but I didn't know what it meant in the prison sense until this year. It means they are short time. So there's like maybe a, sometimes 50 cadres and they, um, are also, you know, doing the, doing the good things because they just want to leave and they've done the majority of their time. A lot of the time was done at faraway prisons. Then when they go into the uh, when they're going into trial phase, they're brought to these prisons that are in downtown, so they could be quickly brought over to, or not quickly, but easily brought over to the courts. Um, then the short timers, you know, they release those beds in the long term prisons to um, have the short timers come into the city facilities so that they can open the beds in the long time long-term facilities for for new um incarcerated people but can i ask so when you said you you said you're helping them work with their own minds is that like do you say those things to them like do you talk about kind of that those concepts or are you just are you giving them the skills without really going into the philosophy um, I don't go into yoga philosophy there. Um, we kind of have to keep it kind of yeah. generic in there. Yeah. However, um, I do talk about managing emotions as best you can. And I don't know, I don't have lived experience. And I, I mean, I, I hate those places. Um, I keep saying how awful those places are, and they are awful. They are, um, I think they need to be totally redone as, as a method of, of having people to give their time for things that they've done. Um, but no matter how awful, that's why I keep going back, because they, people like them need people like us on the outside that care for them. They don't know me. They don't know my name. They don't know who I am. They don't need to know any of that. I go in there from a point of service and just knowing how, you know, poorly they're treated. Um, and I read a lot. I listen to a lot of um, prison podcasts to really, you know, to know like the U.S. Um, prison system sucks. It sucks big. And the best one that we should be following is the one in Norway. They have the lowest recidivism rate of the world, but we choose to do it our way and to make it a moneymaker. As, you know the American way. So everything is about money, not about caring for people, not about rehabbing them. It's not about restoring them. It's none of that. It is how much money can we suck from them and then their families, suck them dry, keep pulling people in the system, overcharging, over sentencing, blah blah blah. So, but how, I'm curious, how how do they respond? So like in general, when you when you offer these um, tools, do you feel like they're? I mean, it's probably different for each person, but I just wonder what the reaction yes. is. So I do on occasion do check-ins and check-outs where I ask their name and how they feel right now, one word, and then we check out name and how you feel right now. As we go through the class, I'm like, you know, ask how's everyone doing? Does anyone make, make any comments? A lot of times when they're done, they will say, when I came in here, my back was killing me. Now it feels much better. And I, you know, say, now you have tools that you can use. You don't have to wait for us. We come once a week for an hour. You don't have to wait for a yoga person to show up in front of you to take care of yourself. My foot was hurting when I first came in. My ankle was hurting when I first came in. Now it feels a little bit better. Um, my you know, shoulders and all that. And as I mentioned, their furniture is awful. So they have very little um, 
they're sitting on stools. Um, the bedding is like a thin pad. It's not a mattress that we sleep on on the, on the outside. Um, and so they have a lot of physical ailments and I mean, from muscle and bone ailments, not even other, you know, illnesses, but, but so they do comment on how they feel um, when I prompt them, you know, and I, I always go through the class asking them to notice how things feel as we go through. If you notice any changes as we go through and compare the, you know, whatever, the right shoulder to the left shoulder, the right side to the left side, mm -hmm. how do you feel? No, you know, because as we know, a lot of traumatized people, they are living in another place. They're not um, in body, in their body. And so to get them to kind of, you know, they've checked, a lot of them have just tuned out on physical feelings for many reasons, not just yoga, but just um, things that have happened to them um, or things they've done that they are, you know, floating around above themselves. And so I'm, I'm asking them throughout the class to, to notice what they feel, you know, name, name it to themselves, not out loud necessarily, but, um, and so yes, yes to all what you asked me, Juvenile. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about you, how it feels for you, like in your approach to this kind of service, like what I heard you say that, you know, you feel like they need us, they need people on the outside. And but is that what motivates you? Like, I'm curious, what is there something that you get out of it or that you could share about so when I first started, when, okay, when I first heard of prison yoga, it blew me away because I, I never knew yoga to be anything other than studio or gym or home yoga, I guess, home practice. So that was a big, it made me really curious and I found a way to go in there. Um, and it was kind of a novelty in the very beginning when I say people I teach in prisons is like, really? You know, and it was kind of a novelty, a little ego thing going on there. I, I you know, I did enjoy that, but um, that was before I knew much about the prison and jail system. Then I started reading, then I started listening to talks, then I, and you know, also like I mentioned podcasts to really give me an understanding of not just what's going on here in LA County jails and prisons, but the rest of the country. Um, and so it became a thing that where I would take off every single Saturday from my job. And these were volunteer positions every single Saturday in order to be of service to these places. And while I'm in there, I'm learning about the system in real time, learning how to deal with the officers in there um, and just the, you know, the hurry up and wait. They're, they're never in any hurry to accommodate the volunteers, unfortunately. Um, you know, the thinking of where's the, where are they going? You know, it's, it's um, kind of punitive all, pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so it became when I realized when I, you know, what people would say, you are, I would tell them, I'm not here for money. There is no financial reward for me being here. And I'm grateful that I can come into places like this because it's really hard to get in. And I'm grateful that my record allows me that I can be cleared to come in places like this. Um, and they don't really get that because they have not had a lot of that in their life, you know, in their lives where people are going out of their way to show up for them. And so um, it became what one of my yoga teacher friends, um, it became my heartbeat. That's a, an expression that a teacher down in San Diego uses or used to me. She said, it's my heartbeat. And it is my heartbeat. I get really excited to go in 
Uh, I get really excited to be with the incarcerated people. Um, they are really grateful to know that people like us go in there um, for nothing other than to be of service. That's the only reason I'm doing this, to be of service. I mean, not the only, they, they need us. I, that's the other reason. But I'm only going in there to be of service, to share information, to um, offer information for them to try to heal themselves while they're incarcerated. And um, as I mentioned, many of them go on to find yoga on the outside once they get situated. Mm -hmm. The first things they look for when they're released, of course, are jobs and housing. And mm -hmm. yoga comes eventually. Many of them do have practices in their cell or uh, in, the, in, the, in the rec room that they can use. They do on their own. There was a prisoner in a few years ago, the federal prison, that would, would, would teach a yoga class to the men. Mm. And um, he's been in there since he was a teenager and he was probably near my age, I'm 65. So mm. that's all he's known. And he learned how to meditate to save himself from harm, self-harm mm. and from going insane in there. And mm. so um, that's what I come in there with, you know, a little break from the routine. Um, I don't just teach, you know, I interact with them a little bit. We have a little bit of conversation of things that aren't yeah. even related to yoga. Um, we were talking about traffic the other day and the guy asked me, what's traffic like out there? And I said, it's like pre-pandemic traffic. I told him there was in the beginning of pandemic, I just drove up and down the 405 because it was totally empty. It looked like apocalypse, <laughs> right? So I said, it's, it's not like that now, it's back. So talk about outside things, outside current yeah. events as well. But I, I'm just curious. I, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I think it's so interesting that it sounds like you get a lot of benefit from the service, that there's a Absolutely. sense of maybe that it gives you a feeling that you're doing something important and meaningful. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand this, you know, the practice of service, you know, karma yoga as a yoga practice itself and how it's like, it's not that it's not so much just about doing good, but that it gives you a sense of meaning. It connects you with other people. Like there's so many things that bring, so many aspects of service that bring direct benefit to us as yes. the one doing it, you know, as the one offering service. And I think you, you shared know, that really well. I, I think that, you know, when I think about how much time I goof around, you know, on my days off at home that this definitely, you know, and we go through, and I'm not whining, but we go through so much to get cleared and they cancel the class on a whim. Like we, we are, the classes are over at the federal prison until January, quote, because of holidays. And I'm like, what holidays? We have Thanksgiving weekend and we have Christmas week, you know, and we have New Year's. And so all those other days that the, the men can be have, or the women too, can be having yoga, they canceled like a two month block and our mm -hmm. clearances are only mm -hmm. good one year. And so mm -hmm. I feel like because of um, lockdowns and stuff, I've probably wasted four months, not me wasted, but four months of my 12 month clearance has been wasted by mm -hmm. not me, you know? And so we yeah. go through a lot to be there. I mean, most, the average person would say, F this, I'm not doing it. You know, it's orientation four hours. It is TB tests. It is, you know, driving back and forth and, you know, it's a lot. And so the average person would not go through this. They would just go like do, I don't know, meals on wheels or something easy. Um, but um, it's, it's that much of a driving force, particularly for me, I'm speaking for myself, that I, I really chase um, leads 
to be in there. I chase leads. Um, I, you know, put up with cancellations and, and even showing up and being turned away because now there's a lockdown earlier in the morning. There was not a lockdown. The lockdown happened on my drive in and it's really frustrating. And it is part of the system. It is part of teaching in these kind of places where you just kind of have to patiently wait. And that's kind of pull some of that patience from my airline job because we are waiting for something every time we show up for work for that job, waiting to board, waiting to land, waiting to, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it is very meaningful. And I think, you know, there have been times where I thought like, I am done with this, done being dragged around. But then, you know, underneath that all, it's like, no, I'm lying. I'm not done. I want to keep on going, you know? <laughs> so it is, it's something that really I'm passionate about. Um, I can also speak on sort of tiny bit behalf of incarcerated people where my peers will tell me, well, they must be guilty because they're in there. And I'm like, okay, let me school you real quick. And especially if they're not a person of color, then I have to talk about the racist part of this country and incarcerating people of color like water, Mm -hmm. just throwing them in there, throwing them in there, Mm -hmm. throwing them in there for loitering, just standing, being, you can't even be, if you're being and you're black, you're loitering, you can't just be, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that it also gives me opportunities in other ways to speak on behalf of prisoners. And I'm not in there, I'm not around to judge what they've done. And I will say that there is at least 20% of people that are incarcerated in the United States that are wrongfully convicted. They are totally innocent. And so not everyone in there is guilty. Not everyone in that wrongful conviction kind of thing could happen to anybody on this planet by lying and cheating, police lying, manipulating evidence, manipulating witnesses, and so any of us could be in that system and it is hard to get out of there and start anew, you know? So yeah. it's, um, so I get, that's the other little benefit on the outside that I get to kind of educate the unknowing public of what's going on. Because again, prisons and jails are, especially prisons are usually put in places where uh, out in the wilderness somewhere, you know, of course yeah. the land is cheap out there, but where they're forgotten about, they are forgot. The people are totally forgotten about by the rest of society. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, sad. I wonder if you could talk about trauma-informed teaching a bit, because I know that's something you teach on. I feel like there's a lot, there's some confusion in my that I see in the yoga world about it. Like teachers talk about it all the time, but I feel like sometimes they maybe oversimplify it. I don't know. Do you have a do you have anything to share about it? Like maybe like why, like the the overall like purpose of trauma-informed teaching something like that yeah so I have come I did not know about trauma-informed anything um, prior to learning about trauma-informed yoga I mean of course I had a very small understanding of people that were traumatized but no understanding of long-term traumatization and people living with trauma that they've suffered like you know 30 years ago they're still living with that um, and I had I had no idea about that, so that also was um, something for me to ex- to learn about and read about and study. Um, when I learned about trauma informed yoga, um, knowing how some of the ways that I was teaching prior to learning about trauma informed could have traumatized people, like mm. pressing down on shoulders without even asking. 
I, I, cause it has happened to me like a lot before I started teaching or before I had an understanding of trauma informed and I was not so bothered by it, but I am not everyone, you know? And so I could see how someone that had been held could have a total flip out, internal flip out if a teacher comes along patting on them, you know? And so um, I used to, you know, with certain classes, give little tiny foot massages with lavender oil. And I wouldn't even ask, I would just, cause it happened to me, teacher would just do it. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, yes, please rub my feet. My flight attendant feet are tired all the time, you know? So that was extremely eye-opening. And I did a deep dive into learning about how to teach trauma-informed yoga and what is trauma, trauma-sensitive yoga, et cetera, and how many levels of trauma there are in in life you know how how things i never thought about like generational trauma yes mm. we all have that but i didn't really think about that until gail parker you mm. know dr gail parker just opened my eyes or you know um hearing a almost crash and you have a physical reaction you're not even involved in the car or anything and you feel that like you know kind of upsetting feeling and that's a little tiny tap of trauma just a little bit you know and so the various de varying degrees of trauma and how I could best be the best teacher of you know, I would just imagine everyone in front of me as a student, whether I'm inside or out in mainstream, has had some sort of trauma, medical trauma, you know, being adopted, mm -hmm. being, you know, having been refugee and immigrant, just immigrating, not even refugee immigration. Just that is very traumatic coming away from all you know and the language that you're familiar with. Um, just um, uh, thinking of people that have been involved in like our California wildfires not just the, the people's the people whose homes were uh, gone, but mm -hmm. also us down here, like with the Santa Barbara fires down here in LA, we're getting the smoke and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm feeling like the animals, the sun is red, you know, mm -hmm. my friends up there, yeah. just all of that is very traumatizing. So, you know, I, I didn't, you know, a lot of people are poo-poo, I'm not, I don't have any trauma. And I'm like to myself, well, I, I disagree, but okay. Um, <laughs> So it became, you know, a way for me to teach where I'm very thoughtful in, in the cueing that I use. I'm thoughtful in the, in the words that I select, not just cueing, but in conversations, um, speaking about different groups of people. Like, I don't know if the audience has noticed, I have not said prisoner, inmate, convict. I call them incarcerated people or people that are incarcerated. And so how we name people, you know, how we talk about groups of people um, I used to use wheelchair bound and I learned, I learned um, those are people that use wheelchairs. They're not wheelchair bound people. Um, at the airline on our um, categories of passengers, some of them require real wheelchairs. Uh, we call them wheelchair passengers. And it hit me one day, I'm like, that is so wrong, you know, um, to call them that. Are, are we, are, or we'll say, are, are we have uh, three wheelchairs meaning the people, not the chairs. And so I've corrected my own language at work. No one notices mm -hmm. that at work, but I've corrected <laughs> myself because I know better, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so just thoughtful, you know, like just 
uh, anybody, if you want to do it, do it. Like, remember, we've been taught the pose you hate the most is the one you should be doing. And, you know, that could be a trigger for someone that we don't know their situation with that particular, not necessarily a pose, but a shape of their body. It might be a trigger. So I invite, do what you want to do, rest on the other ones, you know, don't feel obligated. I'm just a guide, guiding. I'm not, you don't have to do what I say. If you like in the prisons, if you, they ask me, miss, can I use the bathroom? And I'm like, I don't work here. You can do whatever you want in my class, go to the men's room, come back, you know, whatever you want to do. And so, um, just having an awareness of, you know, just, constrictions that people have been have been placed in because of whatever it is that they whatever they're right. going through well that, i don't want to be that i appreciate that because that's kind of what i was getting at is that i feel like we sometimes get it caught up in the details and they're important like you said language is important the way we refer to people is important and and people should have the power to decide that themselves but in the end it's a really a question of power and yes. giving people more control over their bodies and their lives rather than yes. us as the teacher deciding you yes. know what I mean so like giving I started choices yeah yes I started saying this year on my um in my zoom classes uh, I teach um a couple of private um they're not private they're closed they're well they are I guess they're private but they're actually closed classes that you are your best yoga teacher. If I ask you to do something you don't like, you don't want, you don't have to do it and you don't have to struggle with, I don't like this, I hate it, eh, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. just don't do it. And just stand, breathe, just take some breaths, we'll catch up together. You know, here you can try this maybe, try this one and see if you like it. Um, and so I started this year, it just, I've heard it many times, but I just started me personally using that, that phrase is you are your best yoga teacher. If you need to take a break, please feel free. You don't have to wait for me. You don't have to ask me if you want some water, have it, get it, bathroom, go, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what it means to really become more advanced in yoga is to increase your sensitivity to your own needs, you know? And so yes. To me as a teacher, it's like I can help people, encourage people to do that, you know, to like become more aware because sometimes trauma, all those different kinds of trauma can separate us from how we're feeling. Silences, yes, can silence us from, you know, being able to just say, this really makes me uncomfortable. I, I, you know, and I don't even ask for, like, you don't have to tell me your arm hurts. I don't need you to divulge your your health thing. I mean, if you want to feel free, but some people like, you know, I can't do that. I broke my arm, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's okay. Then you don't try this. You know, I also wanted to write here before we move on, just thank you, Jivana, because you were instrumental in obviously opening my eyes to trauma-informed and accessible yoga. So I want to thank you for that in my growth, my uh, growth as a yoga teacher, you know, your books and, and trainings have helped me immensely and have given me, you know, more confidence as I've gone along over these years. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so sweet. I love I love spending time with you. I, I'm very grateful to you for, yeah, being the the model. I hate to use that word because you're more than a model. No, you're like the, the teacher in my book. You know, you're like yes. the one doing the poses in accessible yoga. That book, and and now you're in this book too. You know, you're a contributor to Yoga Revolution, which I really appreciate. I I just. I love the way that you talk about your work. I just find that you're just so straightforward and you always put people in the middle, in the center of your focus, you yes. know, like really think about the people that you're serving and what they need. And I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. What else do you want to share? Anything else? So um, 
let's see. We talked about me and my airline gig. What were you talking about? <laughs> well, uh, one thing I thought of oh. about that is you, you talked about how it's about waiting a lot, learning how to be patient. Yeah. But I also thought it's about, to, to me, I would think it's about being patient with other people. Like, yes, you know, that I don't know how you do it, honestly. Yeah, it's hard. And I, I do have some filters. Like, I'll just stop talking instead of, you know, I'll just... <laughs> You know, when you when you hit when you hit a wall with someone, you're trying to reason. Like the poor man the other night was telling me he could not wear his mask while he was sleeping, and every time you wake me up, and he said, "I'm trying to rest, go away," and I'm like, "Go away, dude! You're supposed to be in a mask." So I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go away to talk to the captain." And I, you know, I, so you, you have to sometimes learn when when people are not receiving, you know, and these are these are kind of firm direct world where we are suggesting things. Mm-hmm. And so just um, knowing, yeah, knowing when to just stop and when you're not, you know, making any progress and just yeah. like letting it go and doing whatever you need to do or do the next thing, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, let it go, do whatever you need to do. And so, you know, that, oh God, that's a really important part of being a flight attendant is to, to be, you are like a wall of people throwing stuff at you not literally Mm. but just over Mm. the years over Mm. the years and so you learn how to not say f you out loud you know you might say it in your head you might roll Mm. your eyes but i've i've mastered the third eye rolling so i don't (laughs) roll my my natural eyes but i will roll my third eye because it's sometimes ridiculous up there and so (laughs) so Mm. you know it is it has taught me control for real because Mm. um you know, uh, you know, people seem to think they have because they bought a ticket or they bought the 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 meal, at, you know, at your restaurant or the thing that they mm-hmm. get to kind of run roughshod over you. And so yeah. it does teach you, you know, there was only one time I started crying and that was when I was new. And then I'm like, never again will I cry. And I didn't cry in front of the person, but just the situation that, that has never happened. That was 40, 40 years ago, you know, wow. 38 years ago. And so you get a really like armor, you get armor on you. And that does actually benefit you out in the real world. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would in just a say, strange like, way. Cause I, yeah, I would say like anyone who's in a service profession, it seems like they need yes. to learn those skills. You know, you learn that you just, you can't let people get to you, you, can. you know? Yeah. You can't. And, and also, um, what was I going to say on oh, my fleeting thought? It just flew away. Um, sorry, I interrupted you, but I just, I think it's yeah. such an important and interesting topic. Cause I don't think we talk about that. Like what, how oh. does yoga appear in service professions? So we talk about yoga as service, but what about people who are doing service? Like you said, restaurant workers or hospital workers or people in the airline industry. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many people out there who are caring for us all the time. So yeah. mostly invisible. I don't think we appreciate that and that and the challenge of that yeah and the self-control i'm always amazed yeah, yeah. and then people all the time say i don't know how you do it and i don't know how i do it i just know that i do have an armor suit on when i show up there i don't know it is not a job you know you people imagine oh you're traveling all over the world laying by the pool drinking drinking um, uh pina colada whatever your favorite drink must be so glamorous it, it it takes a lot to get to that hotel pool you know let me tell you 
<laughs> and so it is not just like I say yeah. that going into jails and prisons as a yoga teacher, yeah. it is not the flight attendant job is not for everybody because it is, it is, you need to be bulletproof pretty much when you, when you show, especially these last five years, the, the other administration years, Ooh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, COVID year. I've never seen, I just, my hashtag is uh, hashtag, can I have my old job back? That's my mm. hashtag. Mm. I want my old job back pre all of that. But wow. um, so yeah, yeah it's so it, you know, it honestly does um, serve me that armor does serve me out in the in the real world as well. Because, you know, I can maneuver much better in, when I'm not at work, because I'm not under the control of a corporation. So um, that has been mm. helpful. And, you know, again, the waiting, 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 it's the same thing in with dealing to get into these prisons and to even get into the space where the where the incarcerated people are waiting for you yeah. um you are left sit, sitting and you cannot say i had a nine o'clock i have said that though but politely my class was supposed to start at nine it's nine ten, and i hate to take time away from the, the students like can you please and i say it nice and soft but can you please hurry the fuck up and get me in there because i only have one hour <laughs> And okay, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about my f bomb. <laughs> okay, I love it. You're so you crack me up, and I mean honestly, Desiree, you, you have so much wisdom. I think that armor you talk about is something that you know we could all really think about, like how we use our practice to defend ourselves when needed. Like I don't think that's a common conversation in yoga in the yoga world. And no. that it, you know, yoga is not just about being more sensitive; it's also about being stronger. Right. And I think a lot of the practices actually make us more sensitive. I remember, you know, when I first started practicing very seriously, like it was hard for me to be around people. Like I started to feel other people's feelings a lot. Yeah. And, and I had to really learn other ways to be. And I think what you're talking about are those skills that we can use to like, to help our mind and our body and energy and emotion, like respond to other people. And that, yes. that's really interesting, very interesting. Yes, you know, and you, 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 me, I don't always have to have the last word, you know, even though I want the last word, but mm. I don't always have to have it. And sometimes people say stupid stuff and you just don't even respond. And then their little dumb comment, it just floats in the air mm. and there's no reaction to it. And then the person probably is like, what did I just say? You know, like, so yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, but yeah, it, it, the armor serves me well and not just at work, you know, but it, it took me years of building that armor as a new flight attendant. I was not, we were not born like that. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's definitely yeah. not the job we thought it would be when we applied. I don't mean in 2021. I mean, even the yeah. ones coming on board, the new hires in 2021. I don't know, you know, again, glamorous travel, no, flying standby, always. By the pool, you might have nighttime layovers, no pool, you know. So yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it uh, it's definitely not the glamorized yeah. job. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention what it wanted. One thing that helped me, like this is a really subtle thing, but I, I noticed that like after I would teach a yoga class, sometimes I would feel like I take on people's stuff. Like if I would, if people are having a hard time in my yes. classes or emotional or, or going through some serious illness or something. And so I find I, I, I needed to create like a ritual for myself mm -hmm. after I teach to let it go. And 
um, my friend Sherry Clampett, who's an amazing teacher, she yes. taught me just to wash my hands, which is so obvious. I'm doing it anyway. But like every yeah. time after I teach a class, I go and wash my hands, usually like all the way up to my elbows and just feel like as I'm washing, I just feel like I'm letting go of all their stuff, like all the stuff that other people were going through. Yes. Um, I do the same thing when I'm going out of the of those spaces or actually uh, most of my specialized populations when I'm leaving their space because it's really hard to even look at the seniors that are kind of catatonic you know to look at them and they are um, non-responsive it's really you know it's awful to look at that and so I carry that that love for them around I leave out of there too you know it's just it's it's hard and many of them their families cannot control them cannot take care of them or there is no family. So I, I feel for them for that as well, you know? And so I do, uh, so I do hand washing as well for two reasons. Like you said, we were gonna wash hands anyway, but it is a ritual of releasing like you, what you just said. Thank you, Ch Sherry Clampett, we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, but also um, to, to, you know, just to like, end where I am now and to step out into outdoors and to yeah. carry on and so kind of that ritual but also mm -hmm. oftentimes I feel so um, full of um, either sadness or I don't know gratitude that mm -hmm. I go out into the car and just cry mm -hmm. not every time but just weep and those are cleansing tears mm -hmm. Um, and just letting me know that I'm not just some robotic yoga teacher going in and doing my job mm. and coming right back out and just going, let's have a green drink, you know, um, but to, um, I really, I do pick up on it and, you know, just knowing that in any life to be in a, in a, in a arrangement where you are not free. So the seniors, many of them at that, um, residential home will wander off if allowed out the front door. So there's always a, an AWOL risk and you have to, they, they let me in and out. So it's not like I just go in and fling the door open. Yeah. But, um, and some can go out and go to the store and walk out in the neighborhood. And it's in, a, it's in a residential neighborhood as well. So they can walk around, look at the flowers. They can come back, but many of them will be lost out there. And so, you know, thinking of the, the lost liberty because of mental illness, or the lost liberty because um, one big bad mistake that you made, it really makes me sad, you know, that, mm -hmm. um, but, but, you know, I'm here to, to, again, offer some help and some ways to manage through that. Um, I was so grateful when that senior center called me. Uh, I don't remember what month it was, but I cried when the lady called and said, this is the lady from the senior place, because yeah. I felt she was calling to have to call me back to work, right? And I'm just bawling on the phone. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, she's, I said, Has in, did everyone make it through last year? And she said, yes. And I'm bawling more because no one passed mm -hmm. away from COVID. And then the staff all made it through and more tears. But it was a, a call of great happiness because she was the first place that called me back to work in person, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, Wow. Back to the question. Yeah, so the Thank ritual you. is hand washing, hand washing also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for mm -hmm. saying that and crying. I appreciate and that. And crying, <laughs> cleansing yeah, tears. I, I need more of that. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, thank you, Dijor. I really appreciate you sharing and um, being so honest and straightforward about it all. This is, you're, you're so like clear. 
in the way you describe things. I really Even, appreciate uh, it. I, 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 you, you know, I appreciate you, but you don't know to what depth. I just always am so grateful and honored when you invite me into your projects. Oh, mm. COVID tears. <laughs> Sorry. <Okay. laughs> I just want you to know that I, I'm always honored and will say yes every single time. And thank you for thinking about me and your mm. friendship too. And your friendship. Mm. Well, thank you. I, really, I appreciate that. Thanks for always being there and being my friend too. So thanks to Joy. It was great talking okay. to you. And, um, you know, I guess we'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, I'll put links to all your, to your website. Um, in the, okay. in the show notes and hopefully people will you know learn more about you yes so thank you thank you i love you love you too okay. thank you thank you all thank right. you gemini all right bye thanks so much for listening and joining the conversation yoga is truly a revolutionary practice thanks for being here if you haven't already, I would love for you to read my book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. It's available wherever books are sold. Also, you can check out my website, jivanaheyman.com. There's some free classes on there and a meditation, and you can find out more about my upcoming trainings and other programs. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye.